fellow adventurers. Welcome to a Nat One Life podcast series called Homebrew Heals. Here, my sister Amanda and I will talk about our different journeys we have taken or are still on to resolve our medical issues. From gut issues to skin issues, we have experienced a lot in our 30 years. We do not have any medical backgrounds, but feel we have rolled high enough in our investigation and health checks and want to share our experiences with you. So come along this journey with us and see what we discover together. Journey with us and start to find your way through this net one night. Hey, Amanda. Y'all? Do you ever wonder if life is the same in other parts of the world? I wonder that a lot because I have a pretty rich, like, fantasy life in my head. Yeah. So I think frequently that I want to live in Scotland. <clears throat> yeah. To the point of I've researched how to move to Scotland. I've started like a genealogy thing to see if I might have close enough relative ties somewhere in the UK there. to get me back there for citizenship stuff. I have researched buying property industries that would help sponsor me. Like it's rich. So. I wonder, like, what would I eat? Like, so I get, I get that deep into my fantasy life. What would the grocery store be like? What would I eat? Could I shop once a week? Do you shop every day in Europe? Because I feel like that's very European. Do I, you know, like all these things go through my head. No, legit. I am the exact same way. I have considered uh, moving abroad and what have you, but. I have the same questions because my gut is so important and it's so like sensitive. It seems like to certain foods that I, I, I think about, is it even like plausible to go somewhere else? Like United States, I, it's so like convenient friendly, right? Like we need our convenience, what have you. And I've been to other countries, so I do know, like in some cities in some areas like London for sure they match like it it's all about convenience too they're a major city Mm -hmm. but in other areas it's it's like you say like most likely you're shopping on a daily basis to go to the local market and purchase your items right like is there a Costco in Scotland Right. You know, like, those are the kind of things that I think about. Can I get pizza delivered? Yeah. What if I live really rurally? What about internet access? You know? So I go mm-hmm. down these paths. And one of the paths that I have gone down before is the snack food path. path. And let oh, me explain yeah. why. So Paul, is my husband, is a huge Reddit lover. He, like, basically lives on his cell phone on Reddit, I should say. <laughs> when he's on his cell phone, he's on Reddit. There, that that's the way I'll put it. He gets his news there. He looks at funny shit. Like, it's Reddit is great. But he's, like, obsessed. So one of the things that he found was a snack exchange group. And we did a snack exchange with, get this, somebody from British Columbia. Nice. Canada, for those people that don't know. Um, and I don't say that to be pretentious just clarifying um now 
I legit was like, why would somebody from British Columbia want to do a snack exchange with somebody from Washington State? You guys, we could drive to British Columbia. Like, I not right now because they don't want any dirty Americans with COVID coming in. But, like, you could drive there. It's only a couple hours away. All right? You could take a ferry from Washington to British Columbia. Like, there's... It's just right there. So they have, like... She sent us a list of things like, hey, these would be great if you could get them. All the flavors of Oreos, because apparently those only come out in the United States. All the shit that has artificial dyes in it. All the stuff that has, like, cereals and chips that have weird flavors. They don't have them. So that started opening my eyes to, like, why don't you have them? Right, exactly. That was my question. Why don't they? Right. Well, part of it is marketing, like, or is the market. The fat Americans were like, man, we want all the snacks. I want Oreos, but I want cheesecake Oreos, fudge-covered Oreos, uh, carrot cake Oreos, birthday cake Oreos. You know, the list goes on and on. We think we want all of those. So we have all those options. But some of it is that they're just not, there's products that to obtain the flavors or to preserve them long enough to stay on the shelves, they have to add chemicals into them that are not allowed in other states or in other countries. Mm-hmm. So they don't get them. So we sent this person like all these crazy flavors of Oreos and chips, and they sent us some really amazing like maple candies. And um, they were also um, Asian. And so they had frequented these, um, Korean shops and so they also sent some Korean snacks and stuff like that and it was really cool but it was very eye-opening peanut butter hard to get pretty much anywhere except for the United States very expensive for whatever reason we love our peanut butter well we we have the peanut industry is subsidized by our government and so anyway we can go that's a whole different conversation (laughs) people but um So, like, if you're in the UK and you want to buy Reese's peanut butter cups, they're fucking expensive. Mm -hmm. Versus here, you can get them for a dollar. So, anyway, it's very intriguing. I, so, I always found, I would be highly interested in doing that where you're swapping snacks with uh, other people in different countries and what have you. I know that it's not only, like the different types of foods that they have but it's also how they make their food like um the whole chocolate situation where in the U.S. our chocolate tastes different than other countries chocolate because it is literally made differently like even if it's coming from the same company it could be made differently because we are so accustomed to a certain taste that they that is what they're catering to that they no longer it's no longer a situation of oh we need to make this all the same uh just for like ease of for the company no it's the the americans are used to tasting this flavor are used to having this in their chocolate so we have to make it that way but the people over in the UK don't like that and so right. our foods won't sell so and mm. ultimately if we want to sell our goods we have to create another recipe where it's similar but different right exactly um 
And you can see if you guys have ever been to Vegas, they have the Coca-Cola store. And one of the things that you can do is sample all the different flavors of Coke from around the world. Mm -hmm. Paul and I did that. And we have our reactions. Actually, I might post them on the blog. (laughs) Oh, you should. Videos and pictures. Some of them are fucking disgusting. I was like, oh, what the fuck? You know, whatever country this is. How could you drink this shit? But it's because of, like you just said, the taste of that area, the products they have available, what they can use, how they have to market it, the cost, you know, all of that stuff. Um, But to go back to the conversation, you know, why is there such vast differences between what we can have in the United States and what we can or can't have in other parts of the world? Mm-hmm. We have a government um group the fda that is supposed to be responsible for making sure that um that we are protected as consumers with what we're putting into our body specifically or putting on our body um and so for people that don't know the fda is the food and drug administration um in the united states and they're supposed to um protect us from different substances that are leaked, linked to like cancer or ailments or um, injury, mm-hmm. I, I guess is the best way to put it, um, especially in things that we're eating. Because before there was any regulation, you know, we had like Coca-Cola with actual fucking cocaine in it. Oh, right. Like the people were, there is no standardization they were just saying like people were making stuff just to make it for how it affected people either by taste like oh this tastes good this makes me feel good this makes me perform differently like so on so forth but then we finally (laughs) were like hey maybe not all of this is actually good and so we're finally putting not only standardization so for us, um, essentially, each nation has their own standards. And so when we have food being imported from other areas, because the U.S. can't, you know, create all of its own food at this time, we do have to rely on the world. And so we match, we compare, we match and compare the standards that where the food is coming from to our standards here. and we look at the process and make sure that it's all cohesive and that, as Amanda was saying, that it's safe. Now, if you're in safe politics, was in quotes. Yeah. safe. <laughs> if you're in politics or into politics, which I am not, but even I have heard um, that there's some uh, questionable standards that we got there and there might be some loopholes. And so this is not perfect by any means. And we need to educate ourselves about those imperfections so we know just have that knowledge when you're eating foods, especially if they're from other areas, what exactly does that mean? What process did it go through so you feel comfortable and safe eating the food? Right. So it's hard to it's hard to trust an organization that gets its palms greased regularly by people that have interests of their own. Um, 
especially when you have European Union, the European Union banning shit in their countries and then explaining the science behind why they're banning it. And then us still saying, well, but the pigs won't be as fat if we don't do that. And then we can't get as much money because we charge by weight. One, in all seriousness, they also very much are like, well, there's either not enough proof to show this or there's not enough research. And so even if there's some form of or signs and indications that certain foods can lead to certain diseases or certain, um, you know, results after effects, what whatever term you want to put in there, if the results aren't significant enough, then they're put off to the wayside. They're like, no, we will just make our own choice on this matter. Yeah. And choose not to investigate. And just... Right, it's not... This is not a situation where they're like, oh, let's look into that more. No, that's not what they're doing. That's a whole other department. That's somebody else's job. This is not their job. Their job is to look at what they were provided. Mm -hmm. Is that the best route? Mm. (laughs) Now, okay, so talking about... um, Gut. So I actually kind of went a slightly different route with mm-hmm. this topic. Um, I didn't get very far, but I looked up world map gut health and I just wanted to see what other countries were doing like health wise. So not even necessarily with food that they're eating or consuming, but I wanted to know, like, what uh, what is more popular in around the world in regards to just your gut in itself? So, for example, the first one that I found super interesting was percentage of people affected by lactose intolerance. Mm. And like for whatever of the world. Well, yeah. So shockingly enough. The United States is one of the countries that it is not. It's zero to 20% of people are affected by lactose intolerance. And I just don't feel like that's accurate. I don't feel like that's accurate, but here's why. So, oh man, this is gonna, oh, we, we really will just, we're going to have to have a live event or something at some point, Sarah, where we just get Ooh. to sit down and talk about this stuff. Because what you need to realize is that the dairy industry in the United States is crazy compared to other countries. So you grow up, milk, Mm -hmm. it builds strong bones. Milk is good for you. Milk, 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 milk. That's all you hear all the time. So why would you ever say milk gives me diarrhea or gives me gas? Like even just a mild discomfort. It's so ingrained as part of American culture. The milkman, the, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's it's part of American culture, unfortunately. I mean, I fucking love, love me some dairy. So, like, we have entire states that are known for their cheese. Like, I, I it's just, anyway. So No, you're, and you're correct. And in all honesty, I did pull up this image, and I mm-hmm. did not look to see how was this test 
conducted. I don't know if it was a survey or if it was people pulling medical records or what have you. I do not know how the numbers were accounted for. Yeah, well, and I guess my point, though, is in some areas of the world where there's a lot of people, cows are sacred. Goat's milk has lactose, but it contains much less lactose than cow's milk. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you have a lactose intolerance, goat's milk may be more... um may be better for you because it may not upset you as much or it may not upset you at all if you're just having a mild reaction to cow's milk mm-hmm. but cow's milk has a huge amount of lactose mm-hmm. and that's well, and, where and it, on the map it shows so uh the countries with the least uh lactose intolerant would be the u.s uh europe uh mm-hmm. that area and australia <clears throat> and then the middle <laughs> Okay, I would just like to point out that those are all places that were heavily colonized by England. Anyway, yes. (laughs) Great observation. This is like a big history lesson. Sarah and I hate history, by the way. So this is very ironic. (laughs) Um, The middle um, range would be uh, what is that? That's Greenland and Iceland, uh, North Africa, North of south america mexico and actually india and then the most lactose (laughs) intolerant people is china and the philippines and south africa and south south america now aren't there a lot of cultures in like china and stuff like that though that worship cows so that's mainly india Okay, okay and so they they're in the middle range which is exactly what i found to be interesting but as you stated i china i don't think they're dairy heavy in general they no. rely heavily plants. on herbs and broths and stuff like, like that plants like mm-hmm. you know probably um coconut milk and um rice milk you know exactly rice, they, i'm sure yeah yep so and that's, uh, that's what grows in the area i mean that would make sense yeah Exactly. And that was the other thing. So thinking about what animals are actually like naturally available to people. In oh, those yeah. Areas. Like um, that are, what is that, indigenous to the area? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That but so I found that that's kind of the route that I went. And then uh, uh, there's uh, several other maps that are there, but like we mentioned i don't know how these studies were pulled necessarily so i don't know how this information was gathered and it looks like a lot of different information a lot of different studies that they're trying to do um like uh this one digestive health food and drinks equally important across key regions africa wasn't even like part of the study they are not a key region according to that study like (laughs) like, uh like you're missing a huge area (laughs) you know it's like how we've talked about in the past i believe um medications don't get tested on women and so they because literally oh my god it's so mind-blowing literally they say doctors and research companies well it's too complicated because of all the women's hormonal processes That's exactly why it should be fucking tested because you give us these meds and then we're going crazy. And that's like, yeah, we can test it with your hormonal processes, motherfuckers. Because you're men. (laughs) Because you're men. (laughs) Oh my God. 
Anywho, I digress. So, back to what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, they don't test anything. You don't know how it's going to impact you, like with these additives and things like that that get added into your food. Mm -hmm. Right. So, what do you do? Read the label. Well, and and then we get into a whole other situation where we, like our country, the United States, if the food doesn't contain like a certain percentage of the ingredient, then they don't have to list it. Yeah, if it's like less than 2% or something like that of the total composition they Mm -hmm. and that's what you'll see on box box on box (laughs) on boxes it'll say like less than two percent of i'm looking for a box around me hold on let me see here okay okay contains two percent or less of leavening and it gives like in parentheses some things salt soy let uh lecithin and sodium sulfite but they don't have to put those on there, I believe. Like, a lot of places do. The other thing I learned is that um, if you live in the United States, we have something called truth in, truth in advertising. And there are certain requirements that are designed to protect the consumer that are required to be on the box or can only be on the box if certain things are true. Mm-hmm. But certain words are not protected. Um, so words like, um, wholesome or all natural, all natural actually doesn't mean anything. You could post that on anything. Um, I I hate that being on, I, it's one of my pet peeves. Yeah. All natural. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hope it's not plastic. I'm about to eat. Um, saying things like sugarless, like, oh, I'm going to go buy some sugarless gum. That doesn't actually mean sugar-free. That means it has less sugar than mm-hmm. normal gum. So you are still consuming sugar. So being aware of things like that. Um, but there. So anyway, my point is some countries don't have truth in advertising. And so there can be claims made by brands that are completely lies. Um, and so that's why I think there's another point of making sure that you do research into the brands and things like that that you're eating to make sure that you know, to Sarah's point earlier, where does your food come from? Mm-hmm. But it's kind of scary um, as humans to think that these companies can just lie to us and get away with it because they're not lying. You know, it's just, well, you you just misunderstood what all natural means. Did I? Because I thought that minute grew out of the ground, motherfucker. And I'm trying to look up right now to see, because I have the FDA site pulled up, and man, do they really specify on packaging and whatnot for food. But um, whenever they specify that much, both of us know from working in the insurance industries that that's how people find loopholes. Yes. When you get that specific, they're like, oh, but you didn't specify this, and that's what I'm going to put on there. Right. No, exactly. So if it comes down to a legal matter, a play on words can for sure become a very easy loophole. Yep. Um, okay. So on the FDA site, uh, 
The uh, so what is meant by the requirement to list ingredients in the sitting order by weight? Um, and then so of course it's the heaviest goes on top, and then okay, the so that's good to know. So it's by weight goes on bottom, and not by. So it says list. I don't know if it's required. I think it's just if you choose to go by weight. Because it says, what is meant by the requirement to list ingredients in descending order of predominance by weight? And the answer is, listing ingredients in descending order of predominance by weight means that the ingredient that weighs the most is listed first. Yeah, and the one that weighs the least is listed last. Um, so that's interesting to me because from a food perspective and like nutrition, I would think that the one that was having the most caloric impact would be listed first. Oh, no, and you're right. Uh, so should water be listed as an ingredient? Water added in making a food is considered to be an ingredient. The added water must be identified in the list of ingredients and listed in its descending order by weight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it is by weight. Hmm. And I did not realize that. I honestly thought it was um, by amount. Like volume? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because in theory, in theory, now we're not ingesting heavy metals, but let's say we were robots and we ingested heavy metals, okay? Mm -hmm. Then in theory, you could have something that was like, there's only a quarter of a teaspoon in this huge eight cup box of this one metal, but it weighs the most. And so it would get listed first. Mm -hmm. But what you're actually consuming and chewing by volume is oat grain or something. Mm, that is interesting. I am now going to be looking at food labels slightly different. Yeah, that's just a, uh, more research needed. Damn it. Let's see. So uh, it continues. Is it necessary to declare ingredients in trace? which is in quotes, mm -hmm. uh, incidental amounts. Mm -hmm. um, and so the FDA does not define trace amounts. However, there are some exem ex exemptions for declaring ingredients present in incidental amounts in a finished food. Um, if an ingredient is present at an incidental level and has no functional or technical effect in the finished product, then it need not be declared. Mm -hmm. So this is where, if you guys have heard, like, there's a certain allow a number or a certain percentage of like bugs or bug eggs that are yes. allowed to be in your cereal because it's a finished product ready for consumption. That is accurate. Yeah, and they do not have to disclose it as long as it's a trace amount. Which that I always think when I hear the word like trace amount, I always think of like my Law and Order set order episodes. Dun, yeah. Dun. What happened? They found trace amounts of cocaine in the system. Yes, exactly. So that means there's a little bit, which means like, you know, maybe I didn't, you know, do some cocaine last night, but like three weeks ago I did some cocaine and there's trace amounts of it in my blood or whatever. That's what that is. And of course, it, it goes on to say like major food allergens. That's a whole other section that it goes right, into. Like peanuts and, you know, yes. different things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, hmm. It That's says... 
sulfites added to any food or to any ingredient in any food and that has no technical effects in that food are considered to be incidental so if so less than 10 ppm which i don't know what ppm stands that for that means parts per million part does it really yes it does dang i know i'm just laying down some education today look at us we're like historians mathematicians scientists what? actually we're none of those things please listen to the disclaimer <laughs> yeah i know exactly <laughs> We are just your humble traveler on the side of the road providing exactly. this information. Please, sir, do you have any information? Here's exactly. a book, child. Okay, I'll read it. Let's talk about it. Um, so yeah, it's I, I think the biggest thing that Sarah and I want you to walk away from this episode that's a little all over the place because it should be mind-blowing, especially as Americans. And or if you're in another part of the world that has really fucked up laws about food, please let us know. Um, yes. But we have. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just that's why it, this episode, if it seems all over the place, it's because we went all over the place. Like you're yeah. talking about worldwide compared to where we're from, the U.S. Yeah. And so um, let us know, like, or are there things that you do? To help with the inflammation, to help with um, the gut issues that are going on in your areas that you guys have found really work. Um, because I'd how, be really curious. Yeah. How do doctors respond? Like when you yeah. go in and you're like, hey, I'm having some stomach issues. How? What? What is the common next step? Right. Um the last thing I want to end on is I started doing a little bit of research about how some food additives may impact our gut bacteria and the impact of that bacteria impacts our mental health. Oh, um, and I researched this a little bit because my son has ADHD and bipolar disorder, some other things. And I've done a lot of reading that talks about like limiting dyes that, he's ingesting, limiting sugar, limiting, you know, da, 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 da. the list goes on and on. And it's because these chemicals actually alter the muck gut microbiome, like we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. But because of those alterations, for people that have um, those neurodivergent disorders, they are impacted even more by those chemicals. Mm -hmm. And so do some serious research and talk to your doctor about your diet. If you have any type of um, mental health, um, psychological disorder or um, diagnosis or anything like that, uh, because your diet could be impacting your anxiety levels, your social behavior. And something as simple as cutting certain things out may actually improve your quality of life. Yeah. Like cutting out yellow dye, which is in a lot of things, may actually change your life. And how easy would that be as opposed to taking a whole bunch of meds and stuff? So, yep. Thank you, adventurers, for joining us today. We hope this helped you find tips and tricks to loot the booty. Find us on natonelife.com and check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to follow us more on our day to day. May your poop be regular and bubbles minimal. Stay, Stay sassy, sassy and gassy. gassy. Till, Till next, next time. time. Nice. <laughs>
child of love, and that one light, and that one light. You work all day and make no pay, and debt is mounting every day, and that one light, and that one light. When the world seems to be slowly crushing your dreams, anxiety, depression, doubt, this that one light is shining on you. Through 